Hello, hello, and welcome to Elated, the podcast. I'm Arielle, and I care about your mental health. Over the last few years, I've built a business with a mission to destigmatize the conversation surrounding mental health maintenance, using food as a starting point. I found that educating people on how our gut-brain connection, and don't worry, I'll explain what that is, influences our mood, feelings, cognitive abilities, and so much more, created a comfortable space to talk about what it means to take care. My goal has always been for people to talk about their emotional health the same way we talk about physical health. And in this time and space, I think we can all agree on how important this is. Every week, I'll be sharing conversations with friends and professionals whose expertise is in a space that contributes to our mental well-being. I'll be asking for their take and tips on topics we all think about, but few of us talk about. Whether it's mental health and money, motherhood, meditation, or anything really, I'm committed to throwing out the taboo to get the conversation going. So I'm really excited you're here, and let's get started. Today's conversation is with Daniel Levine, founder of Dasher and Crank, a craft ice cream store with a mission to spread happiness. Together, we talk about ice cream's role in mental health and how this sweet treat interacts with our memories and emotions in a way that influences different aspects of our overall well-being. All right, let's hear what he has to say. I usually talk about foods that contain certain nutrients that then influence your mental health. But with you, we're going to approach this conversation differently and from a different perspective. I've kind of placed you in what I would call this feel-good food space. So you opened up the first craft ice cream store here in Miami, Dasher and Crank. And the way you talk about ice cream is from this emotional perspective that I love and I think is an important part of the conversation because food's influence on mental health is not just about, you know, eat this to get this vitamin to help boost this and then feel great, but rather a large portion of the conversation is about how we're feeling while we're eating. So for people who haven't heard your take, I never thought I'd say this line, but tell me what ice cream means to you. Uh, Yeah, great question. Uh, So uh, at Dasher and Crank, our philosophy is that ice cream isn't food because people don't really eat ice cream when they're hungry. You know, it's not a satiating food. People really eat ice cream as more of an emotional response. We eat ice cream to be happy. And on its core level, you know, ice cream is one of the most perfect, you know, dopamine delivery devices. It's fat and sugar and flavor. Uh, In addition to that, there's also a very strong uh, connection with nostalgia and childhood. So when you're a child, ice cream represents like the pinnacle of happiness. When you're a kid and you eat ice cream, your brain just lights up uh, and you have these really powerful um, happy responses that we even tap into as adults, right? Kind of like a classically conditioned response, we associate ice cream with positive memories from our childhood. So at Dasher and Crank, we try to um, tap into those creating flavors that remind you of your childhood uh, and that are fun and whimsical. And you know, ultimately we view our core product as happiness, um, not food. Yeah, no, I think that's so important because going back to that space and eating while you're in that headspace, when you're accessing those memories from childhood, 
when you're revisiting whatever association you have with that flavor, your body is going to be in that state of bliss, in a calm state, receiving that experience, and it's ultimately going to have a positive effect. And I think, like I said, that part of the conversation is missing because what people associate with, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, if this hasn't been your experience, but people associate it with an overindulgence, or if I'm sad and I need something, I just need to drown my sorrows. But we can think about it as I want to feel happy. This makes me feel happy. This access is a great, happy memory. So it's okay to be in that space. But you actually said something interesting before when we were talking offline. And you said that now you actually have an aversive relationship with ice cream because of how much ice cream you eat. So this overindulgence that people are so worried about, you're actually proof that that may not be something that needs to be worried about as much as it is. So yeah, it's definitely a love-hate relationship I have with ice cream at this point. Uh, so I started working on Dash Ring Crank four years, uh, 500 flavors ago. Uh, so I've eaten a lot of ice cream uh, over the past uh, four years. And I definitely think that it serves an important place in a healthy lifestyle when you're really stressed and you're having just a rough day and exercise won't cut it or one of the healthier ways to, um, you know, boost your mood. Um, you know, reaching for a pint of a chocolate based ice cream just does the trick. Uh, so I view that as like a tool in your arsenal. However, uh, when we were really in the creative throes of developing all of our flavors, I was eating ice cream all day, every day uh, for weeks, months on end, uh, you know, developing flavors, having to taste constantly. And I developed a pretty strong aversion to ice cream. And for a while, I would actively try not to taste ice cream if I didn't have to, uh, just because you eat enough ice cream, you see the clear uh, cause and effect of uh, sugar um, that it has on your body and your mind. So, you know, you, you have the sugar rush, then you have the sugar crash and you feel poorly. Um, and eventually you begin to associate the eating of the ice cream with that negative feeling. Uh, so kind of like deep within, I kind of like instinctively tried to avoid it for a while. Uh, and now I think I'm at a pretty healthy spot with it when I'm really stressed out. Um, I'll reach for some ice cream, but on a day to day, not really. Well, I am going to stop you, though, and say that you aren't advocating that. Ice cream is kind of like uh, a treatment for stress or anything like that, like while it does have benefits, are you saying that? you should turn to ice cream when you're having a bad day or do you have other things that you do and turn to? So as I see, so it's interesting. Uh, early in my career, I was working as a bar manager um, out in Memphis and uh, we were rehauling the bar program and I didn't know anyone in town and I was being gifted all of these bottles and I had started um, the Leviathan Brewing Company. So I had like gallons and gallons of beer and all of these different whiskeys and whatnot. And I would work till like three or four in the morning, you know, crazy 14 hour shifts. I would be incredibly stressed and tired when I would get home and I would find myself drinking every night. Uh, and it took me like a, like a week to realize like what this pattern became. And I'm like, wow, this is really unhealthy. I, you know, this is how you become an alcoholic. 
So I'm like, all right, I'm developing a rule, never drink alone, never drink when you're sad. Um, and you know, when someone tells you you're drunk, stop drinking. Uh, so I stopped uh, cold turkey. And then uh, I would find myself for the next week, every day on my way home from work, stopping by the corner store and picking up a pint of ice cream. And then after a week, I realized like, oh, wow, I just ate ice cream every day for a week. And uh, it's scratching the same itch. So I think that, you know, like when you're dealing with high levels of stress, cortisol, um, epinephrine, uh, you need to come down quickly. Uh, and ice cream is a way to do it. Dark chocolate, uh, you know, chocolate in general is also a way to do it. But I think a much healthier way to do it is um, through exercise or sex or, you know, like there's a lot of better ways that we can be getting dopamine in our lives. Um, but when you're having a really rough day, it's finals week, you can't make it to the gym, you, you're not living a healthy lifestyle. It's a shortcut. Right, right. But it is also all about balance. So while there are those quick fixes and that easy it's, access. It's, it's not it's, a sustainable long-term solution, right? You need yeah. to develop a lifestyle that is balanced and that is relying on eating well and exercising and meditating. Meditating is also a very powerful tool to like drastically reduce uh, stress hormones and even just like breathing. Like I found like even a short breathing exercise uh, can really, really help get you there. Right. Um, but ice cream is also a tool in the arsenal, just <laughs> not too much because it does have really negative effects as well. Right, right. So I think striking that balance, at least for me, what I've found is when you realize if you can realize that you're in that rough patch or in that stressful state, you kind of take a step back and don't reach for the ice cream or the alcohol or whatever it is immediately, you kind of like take a breath, you assess the situation and then say, okay, now I'm about to willingly engage with this, but let's do so mindfully. So it's not overindulging, but I mm -hmm. do benefit from that hit because that's mm -hmm. okay. But again, like you had said earlier, everything in moderation. So how do you apply that philosophy of everything in moderation while also owning an ice cream company? I would say avoid, if you're someone who is prone to temptation, avoid temptation. So I don't really keep much ice cream in my house um, because like, hey, there are those days where I had a really rough day and I would reach for some ice cream. So I try not to keep it in the house. Um, and uh, that way I can also kind of plan for it, right? So like if I'm celebrating or, you know, like I just want to try something or have it, like I'll, I'll bring a pint home every now and then. Um, but you kind of have to know yourself and your limitations. I know people who, you know, I'll give them four pints of Dasher and Crank and it'll sit in their freezer for four months. And, you know, it just takes them a long time to eat it because they're able to self-moderate, right? Um, I sometimes struggle with that, so I just don't keep it around. So I'd say you have to know yourself and pick a tactic that works well for you. I think having that self-awareness is a, an important part of the conversation we hear surrounding intuitive eating, which we briefly talked about earlier where people really ironically use ice cream as this example of, well, if I were to intuitively eat and just listen to my body, I'm going to end up eating pints and pints and pints. And you even said that that's not true, right? You referenced your now semi-aversive relationship with, with ice cream, but 
you actually, from my perspective, play a pivotal role in the intuitive eating space, because I think a company like yours that was constructed so mindfully and has such great ingredients and tells this story and acknowledges this connection to happiness, it allows us as a consumer, a space to kind of train ourselves to access it when we need it. And I think that is the critical uh, shift that needs to be made when people start to understand intuitive eating. I do think that ice cream is part of a healthy diet. However, it has a very small role in that, uh, that if you're denying yourself, you know, basic fundamental pleasures like ice cream, that's not a long-term sustainable diet. You will end up breaking that diet. Um, so, you know, find a way to, to have a balance. You know, I would say it's not just me who acknowledges that you can't keep ice cream in your freezer, otherwise it'll disappear. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a strategy that could work for a lot of people. Maybe never get ice cream from your house, right? Maybe say like, hey, like if I want ice cream, I'll go visit my local ice cream shop. And then just that, um, that extra step of having to get in your car or walk uh, to, uh, to the shop, you'll find yourself going a lot less often. Do you think being in this serving happiness and feel good food space, did that give you a layer of protection to weather this storm when so many other restaurants and people in the food business have been having such a stressful time? A hundred percent. And that's yeah. something that I did not um, anticipate before this happened. Um, but, you know, like we work really hard to live up to our mission to spread happiness to our community. And we are always participating in um, community service projects, whether it's, you know, every month scooping at the Holtz Children's Hospital or the Miami Rescue Mission or the Lotus Women's Shelter or any charity that really comes to us. We always um, jump on board to do these types of projects, um, expecting nothing in return. Um, but in March and April, when, you know, this uh, pandemic uh, hit us, the outpour of support that we got from our community honestly was, you know, uh, the most amazing thing I've experienced through this whole process. You know, it gave me the chills just to see, you know, we would have regulars buying 50 pints of ice cream and, you know, putting it in a wagon with a cooler on it and delivering it to all of their neighbors. You know, like we did a GoFundMe to uh, give free ice cream to the hospital workers um, and, you know, had amazing results with that. Just like really, really incredible stuff. Um, and that's what a community is all about, you know, helping each other when you're in need. When you were developing Dasher and Frank, why were you so focused on the drawing from the local, making it a craft experience. Why, why is that important? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because that is also like a very important part of our value proposition and philosophy. It's that, uh, you know, an ice cream shop plays a really important role in its community as a community gathering place. And, you know, I take the, our mission statement of spreading happiness to our community very seriously. And part of being part of your community is not only uh, giving to your community, but taking from your community. Uh, so we've partnered with um, dozens and dozens of Miami's uh, best uh, food artisans and farmers and chefs to kind of use ice cream as a uh, blank canvas to represent our community. Um, and that's part of the experience as well, right? So like, I don't think that 
what's in the bowl is uh, the entire picture of how we deliver happiness, right? It's, uh, I would say, perhaps more important than the delicious ice cream with fat and sugar is infectious positivity. Definitely. I also think that, like you had mentioned earlier, you touched on a critical component of the connection between food and mental health, which is its ability to transport you to different times and spaces. Your body is equipped to access those memories and put you in that almost physical state that you were in when that memory was happening originally. So while we can look at this as, okay, we can access this treat in ice cream when we're depressed and we know that we're going to be able to get this mood boost. We can also see it as I have this tool in my arsenal that says when things have gone to shit, I know that I can retrain myself, reaccess and pick myself up in order to move forward. And that's something that I think also needs to be talked about more and acknowledged as perfectly part of a healthy diet, like you said. For sure. And that's actually something that um, is one of the cooler things that I think that we do at Dasher and Crank. Uh, we have a line of experiential flavors, mm -hmm. flavors that are designed to taste more like a specific experience or memory uh, than a particular flavor profile. So for example, every year we do our back to school flavor, which is a uh, peanut butter ice cream with a jelly swirl and crushed goldfish. And like the only way to describe it is that it tastes like middle school. Uh, and we'll do a flavor called Campfire, uh, which is a collaboration we made with uh, JoJo's Tea, a local guy um, who has this really awesome uh, tea distributing company here. And uh, we use a Lapsang Sushong tea, which is like a smoked black tea from Fujian, uh, which tastes exactly like um, being around a campfire in a forest. Uh, and we'll give it a homemade burnt marshmallow swirl and milk chocolate. And it tastes like, you know, sitting around a campfire with friends making s'mores. Um, it's not a s'mores ice cream because a s'mores ice cream is something very different. This is a making s'mores ice cream. And we've, wow. got, like, a, yeah. um, and we've got like a whole line of stuff like that. You know, the salty beach, it tastes like a day at the beach, you know, thinking about considerations like, you know, somewhat of an art. So we almost never use artificial flavors, but for this flavor, we actually use an artificial coconut because we're trying to mimic like sunscreen. Um, so it's like sunscreen flavored coconut, but it works. And we add like a lot of sea salt to it to represent like the ocean and like the sweat and uh, the graham crackers, like the sand. And like, it really does kind of taste like um, a day at the beach. Um, and then like so many nostalgic flavors, like that's the, that's when we know we've hit it is when someone's like, oh, this reminds me of my grandma. Um, and that's something that's been really cool with our most popular flavor, um, ube macapuno, uh, which it's a Filipino purple yam with a uh, young coconut jelly. And it's the um, most popular flavor in the Philippines. And Miami actually has a pretty uh, decent uh, transient Filipino community because of our cruise ship industry. A lot of people who work on cruise ships are of Filipino heritage. Uh, so I would say the best, uh, you know, uh, praise that we get is when we have people who are maybe second generation Filipino or, or even Filipino themselves, but hasn't been back home in a long time. They come in and they eat the ice cream and like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of home. Or this reminds me of my grandma. You know, like that's when we're winning. So do you have like a research and development team that is 
looking at the community you serve and seeing how you can best connect them to their most salient memories or most positive associations. Like, how are you coming up with these, these universal feel good experiences that then you can translate into an ice cream flavor? So we're a small company, so I wouldn't say we have an R and D team. I think you're, uh, you're talking to him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we look for inspiration uh, through all different sources. So I would say like the biggest is um, this idea of celebrating the moment. We kind of cast a broad net so we can always find something that speaks to, to someone. And like, ultimately that's what we're going for. It's kind of like these deeper connections with memories and experiences. What is a memory that you have that is most positive for you personally that you turned into a flavor? I mean, all of the flavors are, are deep connections with me. Like there is no like pulling apart me from uh, Dasher and Crank. So like, I mean, just I, it's on the top of my mind now because we do have Mardi Gras right around the corner, but like New Orleans will always hold an incredibly special place in my heart. You know, like I, I like to say that food is my religion. So if food is my religion, New Orleans is my Mecca. You know, back, back in days when we used to do events, remember those days? Uh, <laughs> Uh, we would always try to do a New Orleans event in which we would make, you know, hot, fresh beignets to order and, you know, serve that with the uh, Cafe Ole ice cream. And like, uh, yeah, I would say New Orleans, you're asking me right now, that's the first that comes to my head. But I mean, so many of them, I, you know, I would have to flip through the 500 flavors that we did to, to properly answer that question. No, but that's also a perfect answer in and of itself, just because it really speaks to how much time and thought and care you've put into creating all those flavors that, like you said, they're not distant from you. Clearly, you understand very well how to connect with people and then translate that to food. The idea of creating a concept is something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, I think that good restaurants uh, contribute to their competitive landscape. Uh, so you, like, if you're not making your neighborhood a better place, then you don't deserve to be open, right? So you'll never see me just open up like a random sushi place because people like sushi and like it's an easy thing to do because it's been done before. Like, no, like, and it's not what Daniel likes. I didn't open up Dasher and Crank because I like ice cream. I opened up Dasher and Crank because Miami needed better ice cream um, and that it was a great vehicle to um, showcase our community. We can showcase Miami's, you know, tapestry of food artisans through ice cream by partnering with Zach the Baker, Salty Donut, Panther Coffee, JoJo's Tea, like you name it, we've partnered with them. So you got to ask yourself, like, uh, what will make this neighborhood a better place? And how can I also bring the community in and partner with local farmers and food artisans and kind of showcase what makes Miami special or whatever market we're opening in. While you were opening Dasher and Crank, the road to that pursuit of happiness wasn't always so happy for you, right? Like it was kind of a rough road to opening up. And I want to ask you, like, how did that affect you personally, especially when you're so focused on contributing positively to the, to the community, right? So like you're doing something that you know you're doing for good and you're kind of dealing with all these bumps in the road. How did you navigate that in order to not be dissuaded from, from pursuing this? So to be clear, uh, these are waters that I'm still navigating. And when I have the answer, I'll let you know. Uh, so 
I'm fortunate enough to have discovered at a young age what my life's passion is, and that's food, cooking, and hospitality. I um, started working in restaurants when I was 13, and I've been in love with it every single day since. Um, so uh, when I was in college, I kind of uh, created like a, a first guiding um, light towards how I want to live my life. And, you know, the first, you know, pillar was do what you love to be happy, right? So first, beyond that, there's a guiding principle, which is like, what's the meaning of life, right? Like, that's what we all want to know. And uh, the best answer that I've been able to uh, surmise is, we don't know what the meaning of life is, but we're here for a short period of time, and we should try to be happy and live a life of meaning. So, you know, trying to take happiness as my guiding principle, uh, the first idea was, you got to do what you love to be happy. If you know what makes you happy, do it. Uh, we spend the majority of our time working. And, um, you know, they say, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I've learned that that's not true. Um, you know, and recently I was um, talking with, uh, with someone who explained to me that the, um, the, the root word for passion uh, in Latin actually translates to suffering. Um, and I found that like really interesting because I do think that's true. Like if you love what you do, you suffer for your art uh, and um, you know, the highs are incredibly high, but the lows, you know, it takes, it takes a piece out of you. And I think that's part of why I've struggled um, with mental health, uh, you know, my entire career up to this point is because um, I put absolutely everything I have into what I do because I love it so much. So I've understood, I've learned the two other pillars that I'm trying to build my life around. Uh, and that's kind of what uh, Dasher and Crank is for. So the first is you got to do what you love uh, to be happy. Uh, the second is you have to be with the people that you love. You know, we're here for a short period of time. And, you know, ultimately, um, it's relationships that have the most meaning. Uh, so like you need to find a way to find balance and um, be with the people that you love. Opening up Dash Room Crank was me saying, I want to get involved in my community. Um, and Dash Room Crank was a great vehicle to do that. Um, and then the third uh, principle is uh, you have to dedicate your life to making other people happy. Uh, so there's this idea called the paradox of happiness, which is essentially that uh, the path towards happiness is indirect. You'll never obtain long-term happiness through its direct pursuit, right? Like if life was just about maximizing dopamine, everyone would just chase hedonistic endeavors and eat ice cream all day long. But that is a, uh, that's a short solution, right? Um, being with family and um, giving back to your community and making other people happy uh, is the best way to do it. So that's why like you'll see studies in which people who report the highest uh, happiness uh, indexes are all people who dedicate their lives towards making other people happy or caring for other people. So that's kind of what inspired Dasher and Crank was the idea that theoretically I would have a better work-life balance and can spend more time with friends and family. Um, but uh, also that I can dedicate my life towards making people happy. And I think that's, you know, one thing that Dasher and Crank has really done well is like living true to our mission statement of spreading happiness to our community, whether it's, you know, all of the volunteer efforts that we do uh, to just like being a fixture in community. And like, that's part of the reason why we never shut down during COVID because it got, it got slim for a while. Um, and, you know, the argument can be made that we should shut down, but it's like, 
we are the you know the light of happiness in our neighborhood and people you know come to us when they're having a rough day you know to a certain extent i feel like a bartender sometimes when you see you know someone who lives in the neighborhood or works in the neighborhood come by at three o'clock on a tuesday afternoon you're like what's wrong you know like how, how are you doing and checking in with them i take a strong responsibility towards making our community a better place and dash room crank's just the vehicle that allows me to do it well, I love that you understand and respect all aspects that contribute to our holistic mental well-being. It seems like, or it doesn't seem like, it's very obvious that you have put so much intention into this concept, and that's clearly paying dividends with the extremely positive impact you have had on the community. But you mentioned, you know, suffering for your art, right? So in moments when you are personally suffering. What do you do? What do you turn to in order to get you kind of over the over the hump? So I can tell you what I know I should be doing. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's doing, they're very different things. So I would say if I was responsible and was properly taking care of myself, uh, I would be exercising and meditating regularly. Um, I don't do that enough. And it's part of the reason why I still am suffering. Um, you know, it's one of the things you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Um, I don't know why I don't take better care of myself. I know it's not sustainable, um, but, you know, you're asking me the truth. I'm not taking good care of myself. That's fair. And I think that is also an important part of the conversation. It's like, you know what you should be doing. You know what you can be accessing. But then you're just like, life is hard sometimes. Life is complicated. And sometimes, even though I know better, it's okay to do what I know is not the best. And that's all right. Again, everything in moderation, as long as we're honest about it. And as long as it's not fully, you know, detrimental to the gravest state, but it seems like you're standing and smiling. And so either you're putting on a great show or you're doing okay. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Okay, good. To kind of wrap up, what has been something that you didn't see as, as challenging? And what would you advise someone who may be in your shoes somewhere later down the road, facing those challenges, what advice would you be giving someone who is opening up a concept like yours or in the food industry or as an entrepreneur, as a business person with a mission, what advice would you give to someone who's coming up? Uh, lots of advice to give. Uh, I would say first and foremost, uh, focus on building systems as opposed to accomplishing uh, one-off tasks. Uh, the only way you're going to grow your business is by is taking advantage of other people's time because time is your mo time and mental energy are your two most valuable assets and they are limited. Uh, and if you're spending your time scooping ice cream or making ice cream or sweeping the floors and doing all those things, it's something that entrepreneurs take a lot of pride in doing and definitely is a trap that I kind of fell down, which was like, I've got to be the one who's making all of the ice cream and scooping it and being based in my community. And that was very important for a short period of time. But I wish I would have focused my energy more on uh, developing systems and procedures that would allow other people to do work as well as me, because I'm not terribly special and ice cream isn't terribly hard. Um, but, you know, I would say there's a bit of a pride thing that you need to understand. It's like, hey, I, I'm, 
not Superman. I can't do everything myself. I need to empower people to execute upon my vision. Um, and, uh, and understand that you, you don't ultimately get to decide uh, what your business is. The community decides that for you. Uh, so, you know, like you create a concept and you create plans and you do your best to, uh, to have it be as close to your vision as possible, but you have to let go to a certain extent and say like, hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish and how are people going to take it and how are people gonna contribute and help us make better? Um, so yeah. Yeah, and it's hard. Like uh, and I would say that the biggest thing I can offer is my sympathy. Uh, like, like, make no mistake, however hard you think launching a business is, it's harder. Uh, so like, uh, kudos to you for uh, for trying to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, uh, keep on pushing through, I would say, like, uh, it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life is creating something that, you know, the community can engage with. Um, so they'll have like low lows at points. However, the highs are unbeatable. Uh, yeah. So push yeah. through. Yeah, I can completely relate. Relinquishing that control is very hard. Also, just having that almost blind trust that someone that you empower is going to do something as well as you feel you do it. That's also very hard. But while navigating those waters, knowing that you have this mission that you believe in that you know is again positively impacting the community i think riding the wave is easier because you're just focused on honoring that mission final question what is achieving mental health for you so i would say balance uh i would say that's me being satisfied with my mental health it would be one like from a physicalist perspective like reducing levels of uh like norepinephrine and cortisol um but i would say having a balance between seeing family uh spending time with friends being there for important milestones right so like um you know having traditions and taking whether it's you know shabbat or christmas or whatever your ritual is making time to keep those traditions alive and develop new ones. And um, I would say being healthy, right? So I would say exercise and eating whole foods that, you know, and balanced diet. Yeah, so that's, I'll, I'll be satisfied with my mental health once I accomplish those things. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much for bringing such a genuine aspect of you to the community and for really helping elevate this space right now and especially during this time so it was amazing speaking with you thanks you too i hope you enjoyed my conversation with daniel if you'd like to learn more about him or visit dasher and crank please find details included in the description box of this podcast episode all right until next time